Welcome to the Tech and Main Presents Podcast with your host, Sean St. Hill. Sean is the CEO of Tech and Main, a technology consulting firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Listen in as thought leaders share their tips and insights about what's going on in the world of technology. And now, here's your host, Sean St. Hill. Thank you for joining another episode of Tech and Main Presents, where we bring you the best insights from today's leaders and experts in technology. Today, we will be speaking with Roger Hale. He's the Chief Security Officer at Big ID and a four-time guest on the podcast. Roger, welcome home. Thank you, Sean. So is this, is this, a, is this the first? Am I the first four-timer? Yes, you are the first four-timer. Um, so... I don't know what award we will have to create for that, but um, man, thank you for always being uh, such a willing guest and a good friend of the podcast and a good friend in general. Oh, my honor. And I'm for all for celebrating anytime we can break glass ceilings. So there you go. That's awesome. Well, hey, Roger, you know, as I as I just alluded to, you know, we've known each other for, gosh, a number of years now. And, um, you know, just for those that maybe haven't heard some of the previous podcasts, can you share a little bit about your career and your current focus at Big ID with our audience? I'd love to. You know, as a CISO, I love talking about myself. So, no, just kidding. But my path wasn't the normal path um, for, for a CISO at this point. I literally started as a developer. But I started as a developer before Windows for Workgroups. So um, I've been doing this for a little while. That, up, you're know. dating yourself, Roger. You're dating yourself. Well, sometimes you have to because no one else will. I am that old guy in the room, and I, I'm, I'm going to admit it. But that gives me a different perspective in how technology is actually developed because I did start programming on mainframes. Okay. And then we looked at client server. And so from development standpoint, then to infrastructure as client server became the mainstay and Windows and Novell networks, everything really took off to then now coming back around to cloud. I shifted and adjusted into information security when it became a very more relevant topic. I'm not saying it wasn't important before that, but it became a relevant topic to the business, you know, around the 2001, 2002 timeframe. Always still maintained, you know, my foot in the technology and development area, but still then focused in the security area. Uh, Worked for a number of organizations in information security. Names you may have heard of like Semantic, Brocade, uh, Linen Club, where I was the CISO before coming over to be the CSO for Big ID. Okay. Yeah, definitely known quantities for sure. For sure. Today at Big ID, I'm um, an evangelist for our product and services. I work with our with our customers. Uh, I have direct feedback into developing security features and apps within our product, as well as I'm responsible for information technology and information security in an operational function within the organization. So wear a few hats here at Big ID. Okay. Okay. But I, you know, it's it's funny. Um, you know that. That definitely ties back to something that I mentioned, you know, before we started recording, and that is, Roger, you have your hands in a lot of different pots. So, um, yeah, not surprised, you know. You know, it's it's one of those things that um, I grew up an Idaho farm boy, and it wasn't okay to be complacent, right? Um, There's always something need fixing. And so there's always something, there's always a priority list, there's always goals, there's always something going on. And in this day and age, for me, that ties into really understanding the landscape. Okay. Um, the the value and the what I call the cool guy factor of being in information security is 
for us to enable the business, we have to understand the business, right? And so that means that um, that's good. Understand what different business units. What is their? What do they do? How do they operate? And when there's major changes in different industry verticals, or how marketing is operating today, or how you know cloud service companies are pivoting and how they deliver their services or products. You know, all of those are things that I have to be aware of so that I can support doing that in a secure manner. Because as a CISO, you know, and as a CISO for a high-tech company, the mission statement for my team is to protect big ID, to protect our customers, and to be the customer. So mm. we, we get to do all three of those things. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's awesome, Roger. So thanks for sharing that with our audience. Now I will ask you, since you're down there in Texas, and of course, you know, you guys just came through uh, one of the worst winter storms in recent memory. As a technology thought leader, as, you know, someone with, you know, your background and pedigree, I wanted to find out if you were advising the state, you know, how would you recommend technology be used to help avoid something similar in the future? So I, I have actually branded this Isageddon. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I did my research on it and it's there it was the last time that this type of temperature lasted this long was in like 1927. Oh, gosh. OK, so, so it's been a bit right. It's been a minute. Um, now, that doesn't mean that other parts of the states don't have, you know, ice storms and haven't had, you know, winter weather in the wintertime. But uh, it's literally been you know, almost coming up on 100 years since the last time there was an issue. On. Okay. So that falls into how do you, and how do you actually do business continuity and um, disaster recovery? And, you know, what's important because this is like the famous 100-year floodplain, right, for flooding um, in that same area. So kind of wondering if this is actually a tech challenge and issue. It could be um, just from better visibility on what's going on. But you know, and in that area, what I saw was that the impact on the on from what I've heard, right, through ERCOT and through other areas, is that the impact on the grid is that you know the 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 impact to where they had to make decisions, they had you know less than an hour to actually make a decision. Oh wow! Okay. Right, and so the fact of not having that visibility, not seeing that ramp up or how that ramp up was going faster, and having better business continuity planning, better checklists to be able to escalate so that you had time to make more thoughtful decisions, or you know even have planning in this area, I think is one of the bigger impacts. You know, because there's requirements. You know, and and we were talking before this offline about you know where sometimes compliance is really kind of like a baseline or a minimum. You know, do good enough. And you know, some of the issues we had was that you know sensors were designed for the you know for 120 degrees in the summertime. But can you design? Can you actually design a sensor that actually then spans all the way over to minus 20 degrees? Right. Um, what's the cost difference, and is that considered in the process? And so, right, is all the risk conversations being had? But do they have all the data to make that risk decision too? And so, mm-hmm. that's where I think that the biggest thing on uh, that we can look at, and what I look at from my governor and from the state of Texas, is more transparency and looking at the abilities to share that decision-making process, so that the, there's more input. Because one person may ultimately have to make a decision, but there needs to be different views and different inputs to understand what what that risk actually entails. Okay. So Roger, I will ask this question because of what you just said, as far as, you know, the the visibility and, you know, accountability, if you will, in the, in that type of instance, do you think anything would have been done differently if the board of governors or if the board of directors were, you know, folks that actually 
lived in Texas and, you know, were kind of boots on the ground, for lack of a better term? Do you think that would have changed? I, I always, always believe. And I mentioned that earlier about one of our one of my goals for my team, one of our mission statements is to be the customer. Yes that that makes a different impact in your decision-making process. So, um, you know, whether it was, you know, that we are big ID for big ID that we use our own product. You know, when I was at Symantec, it was customer one and we used our own product and it made a difference Mm -hmm. in how it was developed. The same thing here, right? If you have that same level of impact and if you're the ones that actually has to like, you know, have the same retirement plan as everyone else, right? That makes a decision in how you actually decide on what that retirement plan looks like, right? Same thing with this. If you live in this state, right? If you are impacted by this, you know, and you understand what that impact is to the person who is ringing out your groceries at the grocery line, not to your, com- not to your you know, gated community and what that means, but understanding what that impact is on the street, I think that's critically important. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that insight. And so, Roger, as as we go along here, I want to pick your brain on something else. So obviously, you know, we are all very familiar with the Solar Winds episode. You know, I would just honestly like to get your perspective on what happened. So I'm gonna keep this a little high because you know there's been a lot of retrospective being done especially in the CISO community and I, I don't think that you know digging in too far into that one is is good for this podcast or you know for, for what we're really talking about understood Truly, what I think is that, again, third and fourth party trust has, you know, truly been something that we look at only for probably the last 10 years. It is not as broad expectation as necessary. And in that area, there is still that opportunity of moving quickly to solve the problem. And are we doing it in the right manner? Do we have the right checks in place? You know, uh, do we have the right um, access controls? And are there gating checks for, you know, for, for making sure that the code has the integrity? that it's supposed to have you know do we trust too far in some areas because we're moving fast and well we've got you know it's the the best one i have is well we have a we have an nda and we have a a contract with liability so are we good right instead of looking at the actual process and making sure that that we can assure the integrity of the code that goes out the door you know because solar winds contracts with everyone says that they're you know to the best of their ability, they're going to make sure there's no malware in the code. That worked, right? Uh, the second, though, was the the secondary impact, right? The other companies that use SolarWinds and what has been that impact into their own service delivery and offering. You know, uh, we're hearing, you know, continuously hearing more and more of what that impact is at Microsoft. And I think it's going to be a little bit longer before we actually see what that tr- what the true impact is, because it takes time to really unpack this and deconstruct and understand how all these technologies are interconnected and where that, that the service trust comes in of trusting one service communication to another. So I think there's I think there's still more coming, but this, I mean there's been conversations and they've been talking about is about supply chain, right? Whether it's software supply chain, hardware supply chain. Yes. To be honest, there's two for me. There's two different parts of that. There's business continuity on that supply chain, and then there is integrity and protection of that supply chain. And from so I, th- I think that uh, there's been a lot of work done on the the business continuity of supply chain. And, you know, we saw some of that with ICE again as well as where, you know, distributors weren't able to actually do um, just-in-time fulfillment that has really has to be taken into consideration because life safety is an issue. But at the same point, there's the question of making sure from the software side about the protection of that information as it comes across and who is aware of that. Uh, so I think there's going to be more in this area. To me, it's increasing 
scope of granularity for business continuity and for third and fourth party trust. But I expect that because of the impact economically, that there's going to be a whole new you know set of certifications and, and technology and experience related strictly to this as a supply chain as well. So, so I think that supply chain is is getting a, it's getting they're getting their their time in the sun right now. Yeah, yeah. The the spotlight is uh, squarely on supply chain for sure. Well, Roger, there's an organization that you are affiliated with, and I will tell you, um, I probably learned of Silicon Valley CISO Investments probably a month or two ago. I get these news alerts in my inbox. And so, you know, obviously as they're coming in, I scroll through and I, and I clicked on this one for SBCI and there, you know, in the, um, there on the website is this very familiar face. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Roger Hale. That's my guy. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, about Silicon Valley CISO investments, you know, Tell us, how did it get started? Um, you know, what is your involvement and, you know, anything else you'd like to share along those lines? I wish I could tell you it was my idea. I really do. <laughs> but I can't. My integrity doesn't let me go that far. So Silicon Valley CISO Investments came out of seven, well, I'd say eight CISOs because um, it was seven CISOs and Oren Younger of, as GGV Capital. Uh, but Oren's a, a former CISO. So to me, it's eight CISOs. Okay. Um, this came out as an idea of how do you, you know, provide not just angel funding to quality startups, but how do you actually enable a startup to, you know, build a good tech? I mean, you know, I, again, I'm old, right? We, we clarified that earlier. I've watched a lot of really great tech fall to the side. And I've watched other tech that was good, maybe not great, but good. But with the right leadership and support has become, you know, mainstay tech today, right? And it's improved over time. So now it's much better than it was back then, but still that's where it was at. And so this was one of those ideas of how do, how do you go through, provide that angel funding at the same point in time, you know, how do you actually get the CISOs who have the experience to what's going to make tech work? How do you get them to get some skin in the game? A lot of VCs do it a lot of different ways. They talk to a lot of, a lot of their, you know, their favorite, favorite CISOs in different ways. But this was literally telling a CISO to put your money where your mouth is, which is awesome because at the same point in time, you know, the reason why there's LPs and VCs is because it takes a lot of money to start a company and it takes a lot of money to be able to invest in that, right? This gives, this lowers that threshold for how much to invest to something that today's CISO can invest in and can become a part of and really tie into. So that was September 2019. Today, there's over 40 CISOs that are part of a Silicon Valley CISO investment. It's invitation only. So there, there is a there is a way and an ingestion form to to request an invitation. Um, but there's there's a couple different vetting processes just just to get in the door. And then another one to you know to, who is a CISO, what is your background, what can you bring to the group, right? To make sure that um, this is this isn't about well, do you have money to invest? This is about do you and are you willing to take the time to share from your experience to make this company better. And so we've invested in a number of companies. Um, I'm not going to run down the list, but um, the companies that we've invested in are doing incredibly well. We've invested in angel funding for some and then come back around and, and actually been part of a second, the second investing for the Series A as well. Um, okay. So to, again, to be able to support in that, 
it really depends upon you know the value prop of the startup. It is obviously CISO, so we're focused in the security space for the type of technologies that we're looking for. And uh, you know we operate on a quarterly basis, and we evaluate every quarter. And we go through and from the companies we're monitoring and watching, which are the ones that we bring through the process to then decide which is has enough value for us to invest in. And then the investment is open to the CISOs in the group to invest um, what they can or what they choose to based upon their own risk pro- profile. And then that investment is included in that round for that startup. Okay. So Roger, let me, let me ask this because I noticed on the website um, for SVCI, there's mm-hmm. an intake form where a founder can basically self-select, you know, self-nominate. And I'm sure, you know, that process is as involved as, you know, it needs to be. I'm curious though, of the companies that you've invested in as a syndicate, mm-hmm. how many of them were, you know, where the founder approached you and how many were where, you know, one of the CISOs kind of knew the founder and, you know, it was more of a, a warm introduction in, in that regard. The intake form is new. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so we, 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 we've matured our process, right? To okay. Where, um, the, the beginning point was that any company that we looked at actually had to have a sponsor from the team. Okay. 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 So now we're now we're expanding out. You know, we operated for almost the first year with, um, without you know publicly announcing. Again, we need to refine our process. We need to make sure there's efficacy here, and you know, make sure that the the value that we provide in the process makes this valuable to the startups as well. So 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 if a company comes through the intake process, someone will volunteer or and or be assigned based upon how, how the process works okay. to be that sponsor for that startup and to work with them to walk through the process with us and to go through that process. And so the first process is, is that the sponsor kind of, it's kind of like an auditing process, you know, how your SOC 2 auditor will audit you and then they have to go back to their board and they have to argue for you to their board of what your controls are. Right. It's the same kind of process. Uh, the sponsor will review, will dig and do the due, due diligence and then they will present the company to the rest of the team. Okay. And so, um, you know, they've got to really believe it because they're arguing in the favor of that startup and whether or not they, the startup gets to the next level is based upon the information that was provided in the, that region. Okay. So, and, th- and then, it, then it continues to go through the process that we, you know, as we, as we refine down what's important, what's the value to the industry, you know, can we, can, can we put our name behind this? Because the risk is different, right? If you're, if you're a VC, right? Then your reputation risk is how many good exits did I have? How many good investments did I make? With SVCI, we're also, all of us are operating CISOs. So that reputation, our reputation, not just SVCI as a group's reputation is on the board for this. Okay. So Roger, you've got less than 10 companies that you're, you're currently working with. Do you foresee a time where it grows much beyond that kind of you know, small, intimate number of, of companies that you're working with? As SVCI? Yes. I, I, I see SVCI attempting to bring on at least four, if not eight companies a year. Got it. Okay. If, if we can do some. Okay. Um, like I said, we run a quarterly process. 
So, you know, every quarter we're making decisions. Now, whether or not we end up actually making an investment every quarter is a different animal. Um, that, and that's based upon, you know, our due diligence process. But the goal is that this is going to continue. And then, you know, obviously once we, once we're, you know, a couple more years, we're fully up and rolling. Some of these companies will, we will fall off of as they go public or get acquired in that area. And we hope they all go public or get acquired. Well, so, so yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say that we've got a good four to five years of continued growth before we start to see, you know, a rotation span where companies are, are rolling on and come, new ones coming on and old ones rolling off to kind of balance out. So we're definitely in a growth stage. Right okay. Awesome. All right. Well, Roger, let's, let's pivot into looking at the new administration and, you know, there's been a, a lot that's come out, you know, as far as cybersecurity um, from a budget and an appointments perspective. In your opinion, you know, what would you advise the administration to focus on? So I, I know this is not going to go over, and so it's not going to be something that they look at, but I really wish they would. We, we again, were speaking before we started recording about the efficacy of compliance. Mm-hmm. And so my concern at all times is, are we doing something to check a box? Or are we doing something that actually provides value? Mm. And so I would challenge, if I was speaking to the administration, to challenge them to look at what they're looking in cybersecurity and what is the, and is it actually, is it actually have efficacy and can it actually change the conversation? You know, you know, adding another compliance certification or compliance requirement, if it's not designed to be successful, or if it's designed to allow a company just to say what they do and and they can get that checkbox, to me isn't going to help. You know, I, I to me, be, I I would love to instead of like piling on, can we reevaluate the current you know security controls we have today and bring them up to the expectation of the fact that you know so many services are now cloud based right um, you know how many how many companies are still delivering a, a, a service from their own internal data center versus cloud based but then there's still so many um, controls or expectations that are written designed specifically that you have to respond to as if you have your own private data center now some companies do right? But, but there's so many more. But instead of having to answer all those questions and then go on to cybersecurity questions, you know, I would love to see cyber stop being a term. And let's just talk about data protection. Let's talk about information security, right? Because cyber is today. This isn't something new, cool guy thing from, from 15 years ago that a couple of companies in Silicon Valley are doing. This is the reality we live in today. But calling it cyber and having another set of different controls versus information protection controls when you have insider threat and you have everything you have to address anyway, to me is a unnecessary duplication at this point. And I'd rather see this streamlined to where companies of all sizes can effectively meet the requirements and effectively protect their customers instead of having to do some things just for a compliance sake and then adding additional budget to do something that actually provides value. That's, that's, that's very well stated. It, it kind of reminds me of, I can't remember if you and I had this conversation, but I know I've had this conversation where, you know, in information security, you know, you'll have a vendor come through and say, Hey, the blinky shiny box that you have, you know, is obsolete. We have a better blinking shiny box and you should buy this. Right. And here are the talking points to go and get 
budget for it. But the thing is, you know, we haven't optimized or maximized the things that we already have in house, right? So you're, you're going to spend another hundred, 200, $300,000 on this, you know, newer, better solution without really looking at the, the firewalls and, you know, the other things that you already have in place. So, you know, that, cool. that's, that's what I'm getting from, you know, what you're, what, what you were just saying. It's actually worse than that. Right. And you and I have had this conversation about unintended consequences, because whenever we talk about the budget for bringing that new shiny blinky box, the things that aren't taken into consideration is things like employment attrition, because you've created an employment plan and growth for your employees based upon that other technology. That's what they know. That's what they've gone to training the last two years for. Now, what are they going to do at that point? So what's the life cycle of the technology and what's the impact on your team's ability to be productive, if you're constantly rotating and the training that you just gave them is now obsolete and now we're going out the door again, or are they going to go find somewhere where they're still using that technology and now you have to hire, now you you have to retrain, hire up on new, and now you've got a revolving door through your personnel. And so now your morale and culture are not designed for your company, but are designed around your tech. And that's a problem, right? When you do that. Absolutely. It's it's one of the things actually that, and a shameless plug, Okay. Um, one of the things that Big ID did when they developed the product was took this into consideration. And a lot of what we do is actually enabling and enriching the tech stack and security stack that companies have today, which is exactly. one of those actual value props of working with Big ID is that it's very low friction, right? And so, and that's the buzz term on this one is, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the friction cost, right? Of implementing of new tech. But that's, that's where that comes in of, you know, in that same process of, oh, we're going to go get latest, greatest, shiny, or we're filling this gap over here. Well, what about all the tech that we only just implemented last year and now we're, we're quote, in maintenance mode, but we're still only 70% implemented, right? And how do how do, how do do we go forward and what are they bringing down their pipeline? All this has to be consi- put, put into consideration for what's the right thing to do for the company and how can I enable the business by spending the operational cost monies for my department the best way possible. There's still gaps. You still have to fill those gaps. So there's still tech out there. And unfortunately, a lot of times that tech overlaps with what you're already doing in a different area. So it's, it's, every company's got to make the decision their own way, but the risk decision isn't as simple as the business case that you're, that the vendor is going to hand you for why their product's better than product XYZ. Agreed. Agreed, Roger. All right. So Roger, we're looking at a lot of backlash against big tech recently, you know, as it relates to removing people and content from their platforms. If you were brought in to consult with, you know, some of these big tech companies, are you telling them to do anything differently? Probably. Because if if you couldn't tell from our conversation over the last four, four, you know, four podcasts we've been on, um, for me, it's about understanding the entire picture, right? There's been some very famous, arrogant, you know, quotes out there from Steve Jobs, learn how to hold a phone, right? That had some pretty serious impact. And the impact of that was not actually listening or understanding the impact to your entire population base, right? What's your company customer focus? There's, you've got to share more, look for more of that feedback in the process that you do. Coming out with new expectations and broad, broad sweeping policies with that, without um, a feedback loop before you make the decision. Mm. 
to me is really important because a lot of cases in things that are going down and, and concerns that are going on in social media, the final result of understanding what the actual root cause analysis is and doing a root cause analysis, just like we're talking about solar winds, we still don't know the total impact yet because we're still evaluating. Right. right. Difference than the knee-jerk impact where I've heard of one major corporation that has removed um, FireEye product based upon the SolarWinds breach and the impact on FireEye. Even though there was no there was no impact, there was no access whatsoever to the actual product because it was on the other end on the services side, but they've just removed all association with that company, with FireEye, right? That's wow. a knee-jerk reaction. Yes. Right. That's a lot of money spent. And I obviously can't say if it was a good decision or a bad decision. I just know it was a lot of money spent before understanding the full impact was done. And so my my feedback to the big tech companies is to take a breath, take a step back and, you know, really understand the total ramifications of the actions you're taking. And Remember to step outside your box to understand the um, the impact and the goals and the everyday life of your customers or in, in, in maybe in some of the stages, you know, your actual product, which is your customers. So what that impact is. And so that would be, that's what I would tell big tech. I mean, I am in, you know, technically in big tech, I've worked in Silicon, in Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley companies for years, you know, and that's, that's what I would be concerned about or what I would like to bring into that conversation. Okay. I, I think that is that is a that is an important perspective. You know, you mentioned the knee-jerk reaction to things. You know, one of the things that I love about talking to you know yourself and others is the fact that honestly, you you do need to take you know that 360 degree view of things, right? You you can't take 90 or 180 degree. Right looks at things. You you have to look at things in their totality and you may not fully understand or agree with, you know, the different perspectives, but, you know, to say that you are going to completely cut off, you know, and eliminate any access to, you know, something that you don't deem worthy. Yeah. There's, there's, there's all kinds of slippery slopes. Um, and are you just taking that? So that goes underground. So now you don't have the visibility. Again, I'm all about visibility. So, but I wanted to roll that back around talking because I'm, I'm really talking about unintended consequences to these actions. I want to roll that back around and bring that back around to the top of Texas just went through Isageddon right. to try to give like, let's bring this into a concrete example. So there's a number of companies, right? That operate in Texas, just a few. Um, when this storm happened, right? The One of the first impacts of the storm is that it made roads unpassable. Right. You know, because it was ice and ice in the storms. And then when the power grid started to also fail or the end or rolling blackouts, because it both happened at the same time, right? Companies were prepared for having an outage of electricity. So they went to the backup generators which run on diesel, but the roads were impassable. So they couldn't get another diesel shipment. Mm -hmm. So now their backup generators couldn't run. Other companies, their backup generators, they had enough or they were in areas where they could get diesel. However, Diesel generators require water to cool them. And because the diesel generators in the water system failed, so the water couldn't be pressurized and couldn't be sent out. Now the water couldn't get to the backup generators. And so now companies were falling back on their backup backup generators, which are only expected to be used for a very short amount of time, not for a week to be able to run services. Wow. So those are the type of unintended consequences where when you're thinking about and you're thinking about what's the impact, if you look at the impact in a myopic view of, I'm just going to take this instance and I'm going to make a policy on this, or I'm going to design business continuity based on this fallout, 
if you don't step back and if you don't understand how these different services are intercorrelated together and what making a decision on this fallout is going to have downstream, that's what happened to Texas. Oh, and, and, and Roger, that as usual is, um, you know, a, a, a perfect way to sum up our time together. It's always so rich. And, you know, I just really appreciate, again, your, your friendship, um, your insights. And um, I can't wait for episode number five, um, because you know, that's coming, you know, at at some point in the future. Um, But Roger, before we, before we go, um, what's the best way for folks to uh, get in contact with you? So to get in contact with me, um, I'm on Twitter at Hale Roger. That's H-A-L-E, not H-I-L. So I'm on LinkedIn at, uh, at LinkedIn, Roger Hale. You can reach me there. You can reach me through Big Idea as well. Um, and I am welcome, you know, any outreach conversation, love to learn more and get different perspectives outside of my own because change your perspective and thinking outside the box is a criticality to the success today of any professional. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And so Roger, again, thank you. Thank you for um, this fourth time of being on the podcast and um, just really appreciate everything that you are. Um, you're a good egg, sir. Completely mutual, Sean. Really enjoy our conversations. I will be here on your podcast whenever I can. I really enjoy the conversation. Thank you for being me, making me a part of it. Awesome. And so Tech and Main presents family. Thank you as always. And be sure to tune in next time when we will have another technology expert share their wisdom. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to another episode of Tech and Main presents. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast. Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget to tell your friends, and thanks for being a part of the Tech and Main Presents community.